fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Wolf Pack, what's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Rotor Street, RotorStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Thrilled to continue the series. Welcome on now for a second time, the Ringer's Danny Kelly. I am just beyond pumped to get talk with him again. He is the king of the Ringer's NFL rookie and fantasy football draft guides. He co-hosts their fantasy football and NFL podcast shows. And we're going to be digging into his top 60 rookies for Dynasty. What a great list. I just cannot wait to get going with you, Dan. Uh, Danny. How's that going, though, man? It's going well. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Like I said, talking with you is always a blast. I love picking your brand. You're one of the first people I read when your draft guide comes out. One of my favorite opinions to uh, take and cross-compare. So to, to have appreciate you live and be able to pick your brain right here is just a joy. <laughs> so it always is, man. It's the best. I appreciate um, it. Absolutely. And as I was mentioning at the top, we're going to dive into his top 60 rookies for Dynasty Fantasy Football. He kind of treats it like a big board. There's a fantastic article up at theringer.com slash fantasy. You should all check out. Uh, you can also check out Danny's rankings uh, before the draft, the NFL draft guide there at nfldraft.ringer.com. All fantastic stuff. So be sure to check that stuff out. Uh, but there's a blurb on you. Everybody going again, as I said, deep 60 players. You don't really find that too often, certainly not for free. So make sure you guys check that out. Uh, before we get into the specifics, though, the specific players, I always love to just kind of pick brains about how do you evaluate people? How do you rank them? So yeah, yeah. what is kind of your process? What are you looking mm -hmm. at when you formulate these evaluations and rankings? So I think I kind of straddled the line between like a tape guy and an analytics guy. Um I obviously spent a lot of time watching these guys for the pre-draft in the pre-draft process to do the NFL draft guide for the ringer, which isn't fantasy focused. It's just like a regular NFL draft guide, top hundred guys. Um, so obviously I spent a time, spent a lot of time doing that. Um, and so I certainly do, I guess, rely on, on the tape a little bit. I mean, you know, everybody has their biases. Everybody has their favorite players. Everybody has guys they think are, you know, just going to be really good. And so I definitely don't like ignore that, but at the same time, try and balance that with, um, you know, just the analytical stuff that I think has been proven to be predictive, like breakout age, um, you know, the production in college, all those things. I try and weigh both those things, you know, equally with the tape and try and kind of like just come out with like, a, you know, some some sort of like equally weighted ranking. So I'm going to probably be higher on some guys that the analytics crowd are, are really low on. Uh, Tutu Atwell, for instance, <laughs> might might be like I might be a little bit higher than on him than higher on him than consensus but then at the same time you know i definitely don't like ignore the analytics i try and like keep that in mind and and i think it's very important so yeah basically try and do a little bit of both we got the best of both worlds here i love to hear it <laughs> uh, and I, I noticed that in your approach you'll you'll say this is what i saw and then this is the stat that either backs it up or might refute it too you're, you're all right. open and honest with that and I, that's why i love reading those breakdowns man they're all fantastic let's start getting into them Sure. Uh, and some of these players that we're going to talk about and on your top 60 rankings for dynasty, you do note that it, it's typical for leagues to be now super flex. And so we got to keep that in mind. We'll, we'll touch upon a few players that if it was just a single QB league, you know, where would they rank amongst this 
this uh, shift. But when it is super flex, I agree with you. It's pretty tough to not look at the quarterbacks here. And we got a, a very interesting top three with Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance uh, there. Now, how do you rank these guys? And can you kind of explain how you decided on the order and what you either like or dislike about each prospect? Is it is it unprofessional to say just flip a coin on any of yeah. these guys? Like, I think Trevor Lawrence separates himself um, just because he's sort of the whole package. And I think, you know, as a passer, um, he's pretty unparalleled, I think, in this class. Like, just he's done it for the longest. He's he's proven, like, you're, you're in, you're out, accuracy, arm strength, all the physical tools that you want. Um, and he also has, like, the running capability. He really reminds me a lot. I, I didn't use this as my comp. I went with, like you know uh john elway or whatever because it was like that's how big he was as a prospect but he reminds me of justin herbert as a player profile type guy like kind of a tall skinny guy with a good athleticism good arm um kind of like a complete skill set so i think trevor lawrence just gets the nod because of his he just checks so many boxes and you know he's done it against top competition throughout his college career so i just think you know your odds of hit, him hitting i think are strong um <clears throat> i went with justin fields or trey lance even though i think they have a very similar skill set um i liked lance's landing spot quite a bit more than than mm -hmm. uh, justin fields i think that he's set up for success immediately i think that he's going to be with a good coach they have good uh you know skill position group guys that are going to really elevate his game all of those guys can just take like a little slant and pick up 50 yards or whatever um the run game is going to support him justin fields doesn't really have that he's good there's a few guys that are talented like uh, alan robinson's good obviously um you know darnell mooney's on the up and up but it's just not the same supporting cast um but I kind of just wanted to stay true to my pre-draft rankings a little bit. I just had Justin Fields higher. I think he is like literally the platonic ideal of what you'd want as a fantasy quarterback. Like he's uber, he, he's like elite accuracy. Like PFF mm -hmm. has charted all his accuracy stuff. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks they've ever tracked. Um, that seems to get lost in the, in the, in the shuffle somehow. He's like elite accuracy. Um, He's also a four-four guy. He's not. He doesn't run. Maybe he may not end up running as much as Trey Lance does in the pros, but he can run. He's very fast. I think that they'll use him in the run game, um, you know, to kind of change change up like the defensive looks and all that. I think he'll probably be he'll probably end up being more like on a Dak Dak Prescott's like spectrum or whatever as like a rusher. Like maybe they'll utilize him a lot in the red zone rather than you know Jalen Hurts type of deal, but. I think he has the rushing upside. I think he has uh, the potential to score a lot of touchdowns with his legs, kind of like, I guess, like a poor man's Cam Newton. Um, mm. And so I ended up put, putting Fields number two. I don't feel like super strongly about that, though, because I love Lance's landing spot. The, the things I think that make me like pause about Lance and, and make me a little bit hesitant about Lance is just his lack of experience. Like, number one, against good quality and uh, like good quality defenses. He played at a lower level. You know, he didn't really play in 2020. He's like played one game. It was a um, exhibition game, more or less. Um, and he has very few overall attempts in his college career. Justin Fields has more attempts. He has more starting experience. He had it against a better competition. I mean, we saw what he did against Clemson. I think that matters. Um, so I guess when it comes to like bust potential, there's just a little bit of like an alarm bell ringing in my head about Trey Lance just because of his lack of experience against big, big time talent. Um, but I, that's not me saying, I think he's going to bust. I just think it's just a little bit, it's, it's just holding me back a little bit on kind of like, you know, I guess his risk profile or whatever. So that's kind of how I rank those three guys. I think, you know, I, I love Justin Fields. I think I've been, I've been above consensus or at least like the, the national consensus on fields. I, I don't know. I still don't understand why he fell. Um, in the draft 
and he was the fourth quarterback taken, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm with you. I actually have Fields at the top of my rankings yeah, um, <laughs> because of everything that, that you were saying there. I, as a Pats fan, I was like, come on, trade up, go get him, or somehow yes. follow us. Yes. You know, Mac Jones, not a bad consolation, but still right. I would pray and somehow Fields fell to us. I don't get what was going on with that fall. I think he's going to prove everyone tremendously wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah I have him right up there. I actually do have Lawrence, the third of these guys, but it, it, you know he's the safest. He's the highest floor. So if you're sure. like a dynasty team that – Needs that immediate. I know what I'm getting. I, I'm with you. But as you mentioned, the Konami upside, just we've seen how huge of an edge that can be. So yeah. I typically uh, go for that rushing upside there. Uh, if, sure. I was going to just to interject, like, honestly, I think you, you want to test your rankings against what you actually do with teams. Like if I'm sitting at the number one spot, I'd rather trade back to three, honestly, yeah, and, and right? get get a little extra value, get, pick up like a whatever, a veteran guy or like a second, early second or a late round first, a late first round pick, and then pick either Fields or Lance. I'd almost rather do that, even though I've got Lawrence ranked higher, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It's almost the tears, right? So they're yeah. so equal and it's so tough to, you know, pick out what is the reason I have this guy so much higher. They're not so much higher. Exactly. Like, so yeah. why not get the value move down if possible? Totally agree with that assessment. I, I do think they're those three in particular just can't miss either way for super flex for long-term value. I think they're all yeah. going to be great. Uh, so I'm with you. Exactly. Trade down, get the, the value there for sure. Um, and Wolfpack, if you are tuned in and you don't mind giving this a thumbs up, whether you're catching the replay live, a retweet, sweat, a retweet, share, all that good stuff, helping us get out to more people, uh, grow the pack is so appreciated. So thank you. If you consider doing that for us, it is greatly appreciated, guys. Well, in single quarterback leagues now, your board does flip pretty decisively with Trevor Lawrence going all the way down to number eight as the first QB off the board. And I, and I totally agree with that assessment as well. Uh, but here in these single quarterback formats, you have Jamar Chase at number one. He's also the fourth guy after these big three quarterbacks in your two QB league. So safe to say you love him. And I know you're not alone <laughs> in that assessment of Jamar Chase. But yeah. what has you so high on this guy at 101 here uh, for J Jamar Chase in single QB leagues? Yeah, so it's actually kind of the same deal uh, what we were just talking about with quarterbacks where like there's really a, a top tier of guys. And I think it's Chase, Harris, and Pitts. Um, and I wouldn't like try and argue with you if you had it flipped in any other different like way. Like if you have Pitts at number one, I, I get it. Like he's a unicorn prospect. I went with Chase, I think just because um, he like feels is sort of like the platonic ideal of what you're looking for at a receiver prospect. I mean, maybe other than the fact that he's not like six, two, but he's plays he plays like he's six two it was actually surprising to me that he he, he weighed in at six two because or at six foot or whatever it was because i was like whoa he looks like bigger on the field um he's he's physical he's has elite speed and athleticism like 41 inch fur like three four three five or something like that in the 40 like elite physical attributes uh elite talent or sorry elite production um and obviously he was like a top five pick. He goes to an offense with Joe Burrow at quarterback. Obviously that's his college quarterback. That's always a good thing. I think this is going to be a team that plays fast, throws the ball a lot. Um, I just think all the pieces are in place for him to immediately emerge as like a big time fantasy, you know, asset. And so you're not going to have to be waiting around. I don't think for this guy to like gain value, um, even compared to like a guy like CD lamb, who I absolutely love. He was my top ranked guy last year. Like I think, push comes to shove, I might take Chase over CeeDee Lamb just because mm -hmm. I think he's got, you know, that ceiling to be a true alpha number one, whereas, like, CeeDee Lamb, I think, is awesome and he's going to make that big jump this year. But, 
we did have to wait a little bit to kind of like see what that was like. And so, I don't know. I just think Chase is awesome. I think he, like his, his style translates to the NFL. Um, he's going to bully, you know, opposing cornerbacks. He's got the, like for lack of a better term, like the eye of the tiger, like he's just going to win at the catch point. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah, I, I, pairing him with Burrow is just perfect. So it's really hard. It's kind of, it's like hard to figure out why people maybe aren't higher on him or, or kind of, I think are doubting him because I think he just has like, he checks all the boxes. Absolutely. I, I, the one thing I hear is, Oh, it's a crowded target, you know, competition. I don't buy that though, because one, I think he walked in as the alpha from day one. He's already, he was the alpha with Justin Jefferson alongside know, him. Think about yeah. that, you know, records as a rookie, like no doubt in my mind, he walks in, he's the number one guy, as you mentioned that established rapport and two, even if he were to be, you know, in the mix of one, a one B with T Higgins, who I love as well. Well, they were leading the league in pass attempts per game. When Burrow was healthy, 40 attempts per game, as you mentioned, the love pace, that. they were number one in pace when trailing and they were trailing quite often. And I mm-hmm. don't expect that to change. Like, I think this aerial pie is going to be big enough to sustain multiple receivers yeah. uh, with him being the number one option there. So I, I'm fully with you. He's clearly my number one receiver and right there in that conversation for one overall, mm-hmm. the only guy I'm considering above him would be who you have at five right be- behind him. And that's Najee Harris. And I guess that's more because I love the bell cows. Yeah. I've always been a sucker for them. And they're just so rare that when you have a shot at a, the true next potential horse, to me, that's what I go for. Yeah. Uh, and clearly you love him too. You have him at number five. He's your number one running back by a mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you expect him to be the next great Tomlin workhorse? What's kind of your projection for this guy coming in? Yeah. I mean, I think so. Again, these rankings, it's always tough to do rankings because it's like every team is a little different. It's like, it, you know, I mean, if you already have a couple bell cow guys on your team, right. like maybe go chase because that's, you know, going to give you that value bump or whatever. Um, I personally build my fan, my dynasty teams. I lean elite receiver a little bit higher just because they, they have, they, they tend to carry their value longer True. and are more, in my opinion, I think they're more liquid, like as trade, like assets than some running backs. Like even like right now, Christian McCaffrey, the undisputed number one player in fantasy is like kind of hard to trade because you have to give up so much. You have to get so much for him. Number one, Mm -hmm. you have to find the perfect sort of like situation for him. and someone that's willing to give up like this massive amount of like draft capital or players or whatever. So to me, like they're a little less like liquid, but I definitely, um, I definitely understand like they are the biggest, like, um, like edge you can get in a, in a in one season. And so it's certainly important to grab those guys. Um, but it's just like a balance of trying to like plan long-term and have this, have your team be like elite every year versus maybe trying to do it in cycles just kind of depends on how you want to do it. Um, so that's just big picture general stuff. But I think, yeah, Harris walks in, he's going to be Levy on bell. I mean, I honestly, I honestly think that they're like very similar type players. Um, both patient runners, both came into college, like, not with elite speed or, or considered to be like the highest level athletes or whatever, but they're just like good natural runners. I think Harris has a really good like hesitation move makes guys miss in a phone booth. Um, very good pass catcher, very natural pass catcher. Isn't going to struggle when he's like lined up outside or whatever. Um, so, and I, and I think he's going to walk into a lot of um, a lot of volume. The, the, I guess the only questions that you'd have is, is how long is Roethlisberger going to be around? We don't know exactly what the quarterback situation is going to be long-term. And maybe he's going to end up with a quarterback who doesn't like to check it down to, to running backs or whatever. There's just more uncertainty, like slightly more uncertainty um, kind of around his long-term future. Um, so I think that's why I lean chase. 
Uh, and, and maybe, I mean, honestly, I might just thinking about now, I might even lean pits a little bit, but he, he runs into some of the same question marks with like Matt Ryan ending nearing the end of his career, at least, you know, in the next couple of seasons. So um, these are the kind of things I think about when, when putting these lists together, but at the end of the day, like I think Chase Harris and Pitts are all like, I don't know, you know, just off the top of my head, like 99th percentile type prospects. Like you're all, these are all great prospects. And I think you're going to hit whether you pick any of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great point. Like what your team needs are can dictate, of course, you know, we, at NFL, they say never t- draft for your team needs. And I guess fantasy, you always want the best <laughs> player too, but right. it is a different game. We're not real NFL GMs here. We're trying to fill our fantasy voids as well. Uh, but yeah, I just love that Tomlin workhorse role. He's himself come out and said, I'm a bell cow type of guy. It's yep. a leadership type of thing. And the, the numbers prove that before Connor was kind of dust, you know, Tomlin's lead RB averaged 24.7 opportunities between attempts and targets, 24 and a half fantasy points per game. None were worse than RB six. And already he's been wowing in terms of his work ethic, like staying late after practice, Ben Roethlisberger raving, this guy is going to be something special. Like, of course they're going to say that it's, you know, short season. Right. Get it, but it's still great to see that those habits and the the are already impressing in terms of play, picking up the playbook. Those are the things that yeah, it's you know hype season, but it's also important things to note as well. Sure. So I, I'm absolutely with them. But you did mention the kind of the big three of these you know 99 percentile prospects. I think you even referred to them as the unicorn right uh, earlier. Yeah. That's Kyle Pitts, just an absolute freak of a tight end, uh, which is a hundred percent valid. People comparing him to Calvin Johnson, less of a tight end and more of a wide yeah. receiver. And so he comes in at number six. But as you said, you know, depending on team need and the more and more you're reading about him, you're like, maybe he's the number one non QB in Superflex. Right, right. Uh, what do you love about this guy, Kyle Pitts? <clears throat> yeah, I think it's he, he, man, I feel like I'm a broken record, but like he checks all the boxes that you want for a prospect, uh, especially at the tight end position, because he could have come into the NFL as like a literal receiver and had a very, very strong prospect profile. But he's coming into the NFL as a, as a tight end. He's going into a team immediately where he's the number two guy or one B essentially with Calvin Ridley. Julio's gone. Um, and when you're talking about difference making elite tight ends, generally speaking, they're either the first or second target in their offense, right? You're not going to try and like target a guy who's going to be number three or number four or whatever. It's just not going to give you the volume that you want. And so I think Pitt's situation is perfect or not perfect, but pretty good. Um, You know, he's the unicorn type prospect in terms of like his physical abilities. He's built differently. He's just built like to catch passes he's i actually comped him to michael phelps in my draft guide because he's just like he was born to be a pass catcher he's got really long arms really tall like four four speed um and his catch radius is massive he's he's very good route runner like all the stuff he checks all the boxes his production was good in college he's a big time guy like a gamer um and again like he's going to a team Arthur Smith is the offensive coordinator. They obviously seem to have a plan for this guy because they draft him so highly. They passed on Justin Fields to get to draft this guy. And so I think they've got a big plan for him. Um, everything you're hearing out of, of Falcons camp is that they're force feeding him, which is obviously a great thing to hear. Um, you know, from a real football perspective, they can move the guy around and he could be a big difference maker. But from a fantasy point of view, um, I think he's going to get the volume that you're looking for and he's talented enough to do something with it. Now, I understand all like the caveats for fan for for rookie tight ends are there. And that's something that I acknowledge and I'm aware of. Um, and even Cal- Calvin uh, Johnson came into the league. He didn't like light it on fire immediately. Um, but I think it's a different era. Number one, 
where, you know, we saw what Justin Jefferson did last year. I think teams are a little more willing to let like to, to throw their rookies into the fire. And so um, I honestly like at this point, it's like almost you, you kind of almost expect he's going to break the tight end records. Like, it's just like, this is the path he's going down. So I don't, you know, maybe that's going to be, we're going to look back and be like, what were we thinking? But um, that's kind of how it feels right now. I'm with you. A big guy who plays big the way he would just rip like Trask's ducks out of the sky. <laughs> Seriously, like, dude. He like bodies corners. It's like he was lined up against like first round corners and beating yep. them. Exactly. Like, this guy's legit. He's talented. He's, he, he reminds me of like, he's like a, like a, like a, a three guard, like a power forward slash three guard. Just like the way his body is built. He's so long. He's so big. He's going in there. You know, it's just like incredible. So um, yeah, I just really like the guy. I I'm with you. I don't see any way this guy doesn't translate and immediately dominate. Uh, even though those rookie tight end, we know all the, the stats, but the outlier of all outliers for sure. And I think he's going to the perfect offense. And you mentioned the new, the new car or whatever they called him. Like they're just <laughs> yeah. peppering him because yeah. they're so excited to have him the most targeted guy in early camp. Like you love to hear that stuff for sure. And, and I don't think it's a fluke. Arthur Smith, he was a former tight ends coach mm-hmm. uh, with the Titans and, you know, even Delaney Walker going back, he had four straight seasons of 800 or more yards, a uh, hundred or more targets and only two tight ends and five uh, past that 800 yard receiving mark last season, only five saw more than hundred targets and Walker did that for four straights uh, with Arthur Smith as his coach. So, I mean, that the guy loves tight ends and clearly, as you said, the draft capital backs it all up. So I- I'm with you. I absolutely love Kyle Pitts. <laughs> I love this big three. Like you can't really go wrong if you have a top six pick and a super flex draft, whether you take one of those three quarterbacks right. or you throw whatever your biggest need is uh, between running back receiver or uh tight end there. I absolutely love it. Five, five and six are the sweet spot. I think it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've been, I, for whatever reason, I've had a couple different five and six uh, spots this year. And I'm like, man, it's just like perfect. Cause you can wait and see what happens. You can hold that pick for, you can hold that pick hostage if you're willing to move back. Um, so yeah, definitely it's a good spot. Absolutely. And just to pump it, Wolfpack, if you have any questions, by all means, get them all in. I'll answer everything after the show once Danny signs off. And he'll probably want Danny's answers a little more than mine. But still, I'm happy to offer all the insights. Why I love doing the live streams is to interact with you guys. So any questions you guys have, please get them on in. If you're catching the replay, hit the comments, uh, because that's why I just love answering questions. That's why we're here. We want to help you guys out. So please stay after the show. I'll answer any questions or anything in the comments to get them on in there. But as we said, now now it gets tricky. Is after those, you know, the clear, easy three, the three QBs that everybody loves. What's next? And you know, that this running back class, a lot of people saying might be among the worst we've seen in a long time. Uh, that being <laughs> yeah. said, you know, after the top dog Harris, you still do have Travis Etienne and Javante Williams ranked inside your top 10, eight and 10, respectively, with those guys. And then there's no other running back until. Trey Sermon at 17. So it is a definitely a big gap that you're seeing, but these two, at least you're considering first rounders in dynasty drafts. So, mm-hmm. what, you know, who do you prefer? Which one do you think has a better chance of challenging Najee for the throne or what do you like about them both? I guess. So let's start with ETN who he's one of those guys where my head tells me he's an elite prospect and my heart tells me it's like, this is going to be annoying for whatever reason. I don't know why. I just feel like he's going to be kind of a frustrating guy to have on your roster um, because I don't really know exactly how he's going to be utilized uh, with the Jaguars. Like, is he going to be that slash that Percy Harvin, Curtis Samuel type guy that's going to be, um, you know, kind of like lining up all over the formation. You're not really sure exactly how they're going to use him, Or is he going to be like a bell cow type running back? They already have James Robinson. They already have Carlos Hyde. So there's some, there's some just, I guess, uncertainty there 
with, um, you know, like how he's going to be used. I still think like, obviously if he's getting, you know, six, seven targets a game, like he's going to be super valuable in fantasy, but I don't see him as the same level talent as a pass catcher as like Alvin Kamara or Austin Eckler. Um, I think he's certainly explosive. And I, I think he, his speed and explosiveness are, are kind of like the things that define him. But I, I wouldn't say he's like, especially shifty or, you know, make a guy miss with jukes or, um, really even just like a natural receiver. Like he just, I don't think he has that experience. Like he even said it a couple of years ago. I think he just doesn't feel natural catching the ball yet. So, you know, maybe he's going to develop into that guy where he's just a really natural pass catcher. But I think right now he, I would be, I would feel better about it if, if he was more like a three down, like if he was being projected as like an early down guy also, like who can also play in, on, on passing downs and things like that. So I don't know. I'm just a little worried, but at the end of the day, his, his profile is great. Like he's got the speed, he's got the production. Obviously, he's got um, he caught like seventy eight touchdowns. He, he scored seventy eight touchdowns in college, which is absurd. I think you know I don't know like if if scoring touchdowns is a skill, but he certainly has like a, a, a knack for it. And <clears throat> so I think yeah, and, and being you know attached to uh, Trevor Lawrence for the long term is certainly a good thing. But early on, it might be a little bit frustrating. And then with Javante Williams, same kind of deal. Like I don't know exactly how he's going to be utilized with the Broncos. I think them trading up into the early second round. So he's essentially almost a first round pick. They traded up for him. So those two things are great. He's super elusive. Um, he is the, he's the opposite of ETN where he makes guys miss in a phone book. He can break tackles with ease. Um, he creates his own yards. Um, all that stuff is great. Um, his, his production is not quite as strong and he doesn't, he didn't have a lot of games where he was like carrying the ball 20, 30 times a game. He was more in like a committee with Michael Carter um, so those are some of the worries, I guess. But like overall, I think he's really fun to watch. He's an awesome player, and he eventually will win that backfield and and be like their three down guy. So um, it's just a matter of like when, not if. So I I really like him, and you know if people had Williams over ETN, I don't think I would really blink at it. It'd be fine with me. Like I know some people think he was the best back in the draft, and that's not crazy to me. So um, yeah, I would say, you know, I'm I'm bullish long term on both guys, but it could be a little bit frustrating early on for both of those guys also. I'm with you 100 percent on both of these. In fact, we had uh, Thor over from NBC Sports Edge come on and said very similar things that two guys I, I really trust in their evaluations and their eyes. He was saying, you know, ETN keeps getting these Kamara comparisons. Let me tell you, he's 100 percent not Kamara. So <laughs> to hear two guys now say that, I think we got to pump the brakes on those comparisons for sure. And I actually do prefer Williams, especially with this latest hype that mm. he might be the week one starter because of how impressive he is and the draft capital they invest in him. And I, I fully buy that. And yeah. they say they're going to use all three running backs, but their offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, has always been a workhorse guy, always been a bell cow breeder. To me, his path to that role uh, that we all crave is a little bit clearer than ETN's for all those reasons you mentioned, Robinson, Carlos Hyde. And that Percy Arvin role would be great. Uh, it certainly comes with its target upside right, and just right. a lot of manufactured looks. And those guys did eat under Urban Myers uh, in college, but I just, yeah, I'm, it's tricky to know which one to go with. I personally think I prefer Williams right now. They're mm. both great talents, both in not the ideal of landing spots, but I think Williams is the one that rises a little bit faster uh, for sure. But I do also consider them both, just like you do, the clear two and three of this class at yeah. running back in a pretty yeah. big drop-off from there. Um, the next wide receivers you have within that first round, if we're doing a top 12 uh, <laughs> dynasty draft, would be those Bama guys. 
And I think this is a good case of what you were kind of alluding to at the beginning, where you have your analytics, but you also have your film with Devonta <laughs> Smith, because he might be the most polarizing yeah, yeah. of all prospects. My guess is, you know, the film and the tape is winning out for you a bit because you haven't met number nine. I'm with you. I think he is an absolute baller. Uh, but then also Waddle's not far behind him at number 11. So what yeah. are your expectations for these two? And what makes you a little bit higher on Smith than Waddle? So, yeah, it's tough because I think the allure of Waddle is like the upside, right? He's right. he's the next Tyree kill or whatever. There's certainly an allure there. Um, however, he, we haven't just, we just haven't seen him do it. Like honestly, because of injuries, because of the really stacked depth chart there, like he never produced like an elite number one. Um, he does lack size, S- different, different style of, of size lacking than Devonte Smith, obviously, because he's like more, he's built better, but he's like, he's five ten or whatever he is. And, um, 180 pounds. And he's almost the same age as Devonte Smith. So like people who are, you know, worried about this, the age and the size, I think you have to worry about both Jalen Waddle and Smith. Waddle has like rare explosiveness and um, his ability to pick up yards after the catch is, I think, like the thing that defines him. Um, but at the end of the day, I just went with Smith because I think, you know, he, he did, you know, he, he did it in college. Like his numbers were absolutely freaking absurd this last yeah. year. Everybody knew they were going to him and he still posted like the most absurd like numbers. I think that indicates he's good. Um, <laughs> and he, he was doing, you know, good things early on. He didn't break out early. Like this, these are some of the concerns. He's small. There's very few guys that have come into the NFL and, and produced an elite level at his size. I get that. Uh, he's a senior declare. Um, that generally speaking is a lower hit rate going into the, you know, especially at when he's being taken as high as he was taken. Like the guys that were taking the top 10 who are seniors um, are, it's like not a good list. And so I think that there's certainly reasons to like be wary of Devontae Smith, but I, he, I almost put him like in the same sort of category as, as Kyle Pitts as like, he's just a different guy. Like he's, a, yeah. he is the outlier. I know that you're not supposed to chase outliers. Some people just choose straight up. Don't chase outliers in, in dynasty. Um, but I think he's so good. He's so talented. He's just a natural. And this is such a cliche. And I know that people will be like, Oh, such a tape guy thing. But it's like, he's just really freaking good at the game, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I, I think that's going to translate to the NFL. And I think you're going to see him get open a lot. I think you're going to see him used all over the field. I think he goes in, he's already the number one. I think it makes Jalen Rager the number two, which is much more natural, I think, and, and beneficial position for him to be in. And so, and the other thing is like, you, you just didn't really see the lack of size be a big issue for him in college against, you know, top level corners in the SEC. Um, he, yeah, he gets pushed off his route every once in a while, but it's not like he was injury racked his whole career or like he was getting knocked out of games very, very frequently. He did break his hand in the championship game, but that was only after he scored three touchdowns in the first half. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's not showing up like the, the concerns you have over skinny guys. It's it's just not really showing up in in his game. So these are the reasons I have him ranked, I guess, probably, I don't know if it's what it is compared to consensus, but maybe a little bit higher than some dynasty players that especially ones that were are high on analytics and, and really, really focused on analytics. He might be a little bit lower for them. And I get that, but um, I don't know, man, he, he's just, I think he's just really good and he's just going into a good situation um, where he's going to immediately be the guy I think. And, and he's going and playing with his former college teammate, you know, I, that might be a big deal. We'll see. Obviously if hurts, if hurts plays well this year and he improves as a passer, then we're going to look back and be like, Devontae Smith, why were we even doubting him? If Hurts is bad, if he 
can't make a jump as a passer. I think number one, both people are going to be like, ha ha, told you so on hurts, but people will also be like, ha ha, told you so on Devontae Smith. So it's a very, it's like a precarious situation, I think. And so hopefully I'm, I'm just really hoping I'm high on hurts too this year. So I'm just hoping that all works out. But, um, I would say there's still, there's still some risk when it comes to Devontae Smith and you have to be aware of that. Um, but I also think he has like elite upside. He's like Calvin Ridley. I, I think he really has like Calvin Ridley upside. So we'll see how it all goes. I'm absolutely with you. I'm, I'm team Smith. Uh, you don't, you're not the first receiver to win the Heisman in 29 years. Uh, you don't put 12 catches, 215 yards and three TDs up in the first half against the supposed right. second best team in the, uh, the conference there. It, it just, it, it blows my mind. Yes. I get low BMI, all that stuff, but come on the guy, he's been playing with low BMI his whole life and dominating. He's so long and rangy, just runs every single right, you know, route to complete perfection. I think he dominates him. Even if Hertz doesn't pan out, I, I think that bond that they have, like if he's not going through his progression and stuff, well, who's he going to go to? The guy he trusts the most. Yeah. He already has that with. I, I think that even like, even a worse case with Hertz is going to still play into Devonte Smith a, a bit too. So I, I love him. I'm 100% Team Smith. I think everyone's overthinking. I think right from rookie season, I think he's going to walk right in. He's fallen to like round seven, eight in best ball right now. And, you know, the stack upside in best ball you need, but also just get this guy. He's he's going to eat yeah. from an early age. I, I'm very, very confident in that. And I, I think he's going to make a lot of overly analytical people I, regret yeah, that. <laughs> I really hope so because I've got a lot of shares. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like he's fallen in so many rookie drafts. I'm just like, okay, I'll grab him. Um, and, you know, this is like the great thing about Dynasty. It's like, you know, I might end up regretting that. Um, and I probably have too many Marquise Brown shares, honestly. So it's, maybe I didn't learn my lesson. But, um, but yeah, I, at the end of the day, I just think he's going to be – he's just going to be a different one. Yeah, I've heard that too, the Marquise Brown concerns, but this guy's just different. Like he, it's a different route tree. It's a different level of production against different yeah. levels of, you know, it's, it doesn't, I don't like that comparison at all that people keep trying yeah. to draw to draw him down. So I'm with you. I think Devonta, I'd be happy if I was in your spot with a ton of shares and I'm trying <laughs> to get as many as I can as well. Well, moving on then back to quarterbacks, because there is a bit of a drop off, as you mentioned, uh, especially in one QB leagues. But even in super flex, you have some of these elite guys before you then insert Zach Wilson, the number two pick. And Mac Jones rounds out your first round at number 12 there uh, to, to finish out your first round of a, a dynasty super flex draft. Uh, and then we don't see another quarterback till pick 30. So <laughs> these are the last two guys that you're even considering as a potential panel. I mean, maybe really deep down the line. But yeah. What do you guys? What do you consider with these guys long term? Like, who do you kind of think has a better future, uh, and what what kind of holds them back also from being with those big three? So yeah, I, I like Zach Wilson, and I think I could. So, you know, if you if you have him at number four, right behind Fields and Lance, like again, that's not really going to bother me. And I, I've seen him go in a lot of drafts at number four. Um, again, it's kind of like a philosophical thing like do you take a quarterback automatically because they just are so so valuable in super flex or do you take a guy who you think is going to hit at a higher rate like you think has a better probability of being like an elite guy the reason i have the other uh i have chase harrison pitts over wilson and super flex is because i think those three guys are just elite prospects mm -hmm. i don't necessarily consider wilson an elite prospect at least from fantasy point of view i think he's a very good prospect and i comped him to baker mayfield and based on training camp reports, I might end up regretting that because he's just been lighting it up apparently. So like, hey, I mean, if he if he ends up being a really good player in the NFL and, and you know, outplays kind of like what I'm expecting in the fantasy world, then that's great. That's good for him. I actually do have a couple of shares of him. So that's not a bad thing. I'm rooting for him. Um, but I just think like overall, 
Uh, I think his rushing upside is a little bit lower than these other guys. Certainly. I think he, he was, he's a dynamic, you know, guy that can like make things happen outside the pocket. But I, I would compare him more like the reason he's closer to Patrick Mahomes um, than some of these other guys based on his, his mobility. I think his, his, like he reminds me of Mahomes as like a scrambler, which isn't necessarily like an elite, you know, you're making guys miss You're You're like picking up these chunk yards. He's just, he's a guy that can make things happen outside the pocket pick up an annoying first down piss the defense off and then go back and like throw a touchdown, you know, versus the guy who like, who's going to like rush for a hundred yards in the game. He's, he, I think he's more like a Mahomes where he can get you like two or three fantasy points on the ground, but it's not going to be like his game. So that drops him down just a little bit. Obviously if he ends up being the passer of Mahomes, then we're going to, reg- I'm going to regret like ranking him low and you know, whatever, everyone's going to regret the, the Jags are probably going to regret or, uh, passing on him at number one but yeah um we'll kind of see how that happens how that goes he's obviously you know getting a lot of buzz in in camp so that's exciting uh, i think this offense is perfect for him the, the, the theoretical offense that i think they're going to run there the 49ers style one um so you know i think he's he's definitely in the he's in the he's in play at number four and i wouldn't really blame anyone if they took him that high especially if they needed quarterbacks yeah, I, I I love the buzz too about the Jets. Like you know, when he first went there, I was like, "Ah, oh, it's the Jets. Like you're gonna go there, your your value dies." Like, totally. Jets. But then they they beef up the line the right way, and like Elijah Moore, I love that pick. <sighs> the rapport they're already building. Speaking like, of guys, I'm probably already too low on. But yes. yeah, <laughs> we're gonna be hitting him too because yeah, he's been lighting it up. And then I'm like, all right, the Jets beat writers are they just like pumping everybody, and they're just all gonna be world beaters? And I gotta approach that a little more cautiously. <laughs> But I like what they're doing as an organization. I haven't said that about the Jets in a very, very long time. Right? Yeah. So he is stepping into a much better situation. Than I think I initially entering the offseason would have imagined the Jets being. So I've I've started to steadily rise Wilson, especially with this bud mm-hmm. that he's killing it and that as a leader, they're loving him. Because you look at the guy and he looks like he's like going to prom night. But yep. Yep. if he's a leader of men already and these guys are rallying around him, like that's what you want to hear. That's what you like to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love it. What do you, what about Mac Jones? So certainly Wilson's yeah. bringing up more upside to the table. Uh, and I, I'm higher on him too. How could you not be? You went number two, uh, right. but still right. Mac Jones isn't too far behind in your dynasty rankings at number 12 Really, the last quarterback you have in any type of starting consideration here. Uh, what do you like about him and what do you think his prospects are with the Patriots? My Patriots over here. Oh yes. Forgot <laughs> Patriots fan. So I got to color it and rose color. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah. I, I think, um, you know, I think the accuracy is the big thing with him. Accuracy, mm-hmm. timing, getting the ball out, distributing the football. You know, it's, it's always been a pejorative to call a guy a game manager, but he is like an elite game manager. I think he's the type of guy who's going to keep moving the chains, you know, give the ball to his, his best players and let them do the work kind of deal. And him being in I, what I would consider a pocket quarterback certainly hurts his fantasy outlook, his fantasy upside. Um, I comped him to Matt Ryan, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I think, like, if your upside is, is Matt Ryan in the future, like, you know, your range of outcomes is like you could have one elite, elite, elite year like Matt Ryan did, and then a bunch of pretty damn good years and be like a low end quarterback one. I think that's there's so much value in that in fantasy and and especially in superflex, um, particularly in superflex. He's he's probably not, you know, going to provide as much value in, in one QB where you really want to be chasing that that ceiling that upside. Um, but in superflex, like he's going to get you solid starts, I think, and he's going to develop into a good starter. So. Um, you know, I, I debated putting him higher here. Um, but again, it was like sort of the question, like, you know, do you, I, I guess you're just like, who, who are you chasing here? Like the elite profile type guys or, 
you know, a guy who's going to be solid and you don't think he's going to bust. It's just kind of like whether you're chasing ceiling or, or floor. Um, and, and I think he could be higher or I think, you know, in theory, like he could be lower because I like, like what we're hearing from Elijah Moore. Like I almost wish that I had Waddle and Moore switched at this point, but Waddle was the sixth pick. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. And a lot of people love Waddle. A lot of people, like I think NFL teams had Waddle as their, their wide receiver one. So uh, it's just tough. Like th- these rankings are just, you know, there's tiers here and it's really, it's more like tiers than, than individual one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten type of deal. So yeah. Right. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned more, and that's kind of how you kick off your second round of a dynasty draft, being Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, and Rondell, uh, Rondale Moore. So it's an interesting group that you go back-to-back picks, 13 through 16. So clearly we're talking about tiers. These guys seem to be in a pretty steady group for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Although is more kind of maybe ascending from that group to the next level based on the plated buzz. <laughs> yeah, he uh, might be. Yeah. Well, how do you kind of rank through these guys? Who are your favorites? You know, what, what do you like about any, any of them? You can highlight them all. You can pick one or two. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of this next kind of crop of wide receivers? I think that it's funny because I got so much Elijah Moore pre-draft. I, I love the guy. Yeah. And so now I'm like, I don't know why I didn't rank him higher here. I probably should have him higher. Um, Cause I love him as a prospect. I think it was really just the size thing that was a concern, but he's right now. It's like, it doesn't seem to be proving to be an issue whatsoever. No. Like he, he just is like, this is a small class of receivers. Like the receivers are small. And so you have to decide whether you're chasing a guy who profiles like an alpha, like a Terrace Marshall, who's six, three, 205 pounds, like runs a four, four, you know, all that stuff. He, he's like a number one receiver in quotations. Um, versus like an Elijah Moore, who I think has the upside, honestly, and this is like kind of ridiculous to say, but like he's like Antonio Brown. Like he could be a high volume elite number one for the Jets eventually. And like what we're seeing so far is like he's just blowing up. Like what you're hearing from beat reporters is like they haven't seen anybody do this before. Right. You know, and it's like it it takes me back to when uh, this is a very different comparison because he was undrafted but it takes me back to to doug baldwin and his training camp with seahawks when he was a rookie and everyone was immediately like this guy's a star like he's gonna be he's not only making the team he's gonna like lead the team in receiving yards as a rookie um that was how clear it was for for doug baldwin as a rookie and i think we're seeing the same thing with like elijah moore in camps like this guy is legit we know what they're getting here this guy's gonna be a star um and so I'm almost like a little bit bummed I didn't rank him higher. I have been on like he's been he was my 31st ranked player in my in my final draft guide. So like I had him as a first round pick. He he went a couple picks after that in the real draft. Um, but I think he's you know he has star potential. The Bateman one I think is the hardest because, and I said this in my in my rookie rankings I think is just he tests your conviction over not reacting too much to landing spot right like he is the perfect test. Because it's easy to say, like, oh, you shouldn't overreact to landing spot. AJ Green or AJ Brown, you know, like we all thought landing with the Titans was terrible, blah, blah, blah. And it like made him drop a little. DK Metcalf landing with the Seahawks, like where they just run the ball forever, you know, that, oh, like whatever, like that's a bummer. Um, and it's such a test because he he really is landing in a terrible, like it's the worst situation, yeah. really. It's like, God damn it. Um, he's, he's landing with the team who not, you know, not only runs the ball more than any other team, but has a quarterback who runs and has been inaccurate down the field like i love lamar jackson and i'm still very bullish on his future but like this is a bad this is a bad landing spot right so i don't know the reason i kept him there is number one i think he does come in and and inherits the number one role Mm -hmm. which is big it's kind of like the the Devontae smith thing like you're gonna be the number one if not this year then next year 
Yeah. And I think it actually makes more sense like Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager. It makes more sense to have Marquise Brown as like the number two that you can move around, create explosive plays, somewhat similar, like skill set type guys. And so a bet on Bateman here and is like a bet that the he'll elevate the Ravens passing game to the point where it's going to have more volume. It's going to have more efficiency. You know, Lamar Jackson has been very, very good in terms of his touchdown rate. Like he's been elite. In, in his touchdown rate, touchdown rate since he's become like a starter, or at least since uh, the 2019 season. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like betting that he'll he'll be an impetus to change their passing game. And I believe in his talent. I believe in his talent, like his, his prospect profile, like he ran well, he had good production. Um, he's got good size, even though he did lose a bunch of weight because he had COVID. I think, you know, he, he plays like a big player. He plays like a big receiver, I should say. And so, um, I don't know. I just like him a lot. I think he's going to be really good. And I think he has the potential to elevate that passing game. However, if I did it, if I was going to remake these ranks probably right now, I'd probably put Elijah Moore over him. Yeah. I, <laughs> like I, a week I, later. I that latest hype <laughs> storm. And it's Connor Hughes over at the athletic that I keep yeah. just seeing. I love it. I mean, every single day, whether it's a deep pass, whether it's a red zone, like, I mean, he's doing it all. And I, I love the the track record of recent Ole Miss guys, like whatever they're doing down there with the right. receiver coach or whoever. AJ Brown, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's t- it's tough to argue, uh, <laughs> and they love him. You know, like there's just like a camaraderie around it. I, I really do think uh, Elijah Moore is like a he's going to be a no brainer when for, we look back at it. Um, for what for what it's worth, yeah, I've been hearing really good things about Bateman too. And right. That's not just from the press, like I, I just people talking like um from the Ravens organization. It's like yeah. they think he's gonna be like a stud. So this is this is good. Like I mean it, again, this is like I almost would put Bateman and Moore in their own tier yep. and then have Marshall and Rondale Moore in, in another tier because I really like those guys too. But situationally, I think I just have Bateman and Moore higher. Yeah, I was actually just going to say, I was just going to ask that. Like, are they a, a tier above? So yeah. uh, you beat me to it. But yeah, in the reports are just as good about Bateman catching more passes than anybody, especially active in the red zone, as you mentioned, with that great efficiency from Lamar Jackson. And we've seen Greg Roman. I know it's the run heaviest attack every single year. Greg Roman's coordinated. <laughs> yeah. But we've also seen like, you know, Michael Crabtree, Anquan Bolden, those bigger receivers have some solid you know thousand yard eight to ten td seasons uh pretty regularly before last year he almost always had that thousand yard eight td receiver so i think bateman could definitely fit that bill a lot better than anything they had currently on the roster and i do think as you mentioned the impetus to change the passing game i think he really could be that and bring the, yeah. another level to this offense that's already scoring you know back-to-back years in the top 10 number one just two seasons ago that's just scary to think if they could become even more dangerous yeah. uh, with a guy like Bateman. So I, I'm with you there. So what I mean, about, yeah, one yeah, last yeah. thing to add on that, and it's not just like so. I guess the balance that you have to strike when you're talking about like talking about Bateman being the impetus to change things is hope. Like you, you hope he is. Obviously, I hope he is because I took him a bunch before the draft. <laughs> right. Really liking him, you know, in, in pre-draft rookie drafts. Um, so I obviously have this hope that he's going to change things, but I think it also says a lot, honestly, that the Ravens have taken two receivers in the first round in, uh, was it, it well, not back-to-back years, but in three years, two out of three years, they've taken mm-hmm. receivers in the first round. They clearly want their passing game to be better. Right? right. I think that's them telling the world that we want to get better at this and yep. we want to be more efficient and explosive and 
you know, so like, it's not just hope if that makes any sense. Exactly. Um, so it's not just me being like, Oh yeah, this, I, I, hopefully this happens because this is what I want to happen. Um, but I think that they're telling us they want to get better at, at that. So um, that's kind of like where I'm, you know, hanging my hat. Hopefully that's going to be the the reality. I'm hoping so too. I, and I agree. I think it will be. The actions are going to speak louder than, and the words and the actions back each other up at this point. They're saying right, they want right. it. They want more downfield passing, explosive plays, uh, more explosive offense. So I, I think they're certainly going for it, whether or not yeah. Bateman ends up being that guy. We'll see, but the prospect, everything about him says he should be. So we will yes, see. Exactly. Uh, why don't we go back to running backs? I know in your board, it becomes just like, as I said, like eight to then 17. We don't really see running backs uh, emerge. But the, the ones that are kind of neck and neck there in that next tier of guys seems to be Trey Sermon and Michael Carter. They both mm-hmm. enter pretty wide open depth charts as of this moment. So who do you like more? Who do you think uh, emerges there? Do you think either could be a stud workhorse? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think that Ser- I like Sermon a little bit better. And then his draft capital is better. Um, he profiles more as like a three down guy or like at least a heavy workload type player, you know, Michael Carter certainly could end up being one, but he played in a, in a rotation in college and he's small. So, um, or at least smaller, even though he's not, I, I wouldn't say he's like small, small because you know, like Christian McCaffrey came in at like two Oh five or whatever. And so it's not like, you know, you can't, it's not necessarily going to take him out of the running to be a three down guy. However, um, I just like sermon a little bit more because he's got the size he's got, um, you know, a history of being able to like break tackles and, and just like be like a beast. Like the things that he was doing late in the season for Ohio state was like, wow, this guy, he finally kind of learned the scheme and kind of hit his stride and they rode him. Like even when Justin Fields was struggling, you know, he was the guy for them and he carried that offense. And I think so that, that really is something that I look at. And, um, and when I look at this list, I'm like, man, I could have him. I honestly could have him at like 12. I could have him as high as 12. Like, and I've seen him go in first rounds, like in rookie drafts uh, after the draft. And so, and I don't think that's like a, a reach really. So I think it's just a matter of, again, it, it goes back to how I build my rosters. Generally speaking, like I always just kind of give a slight nod to the receivers because they last longer in the league and they, you know, they carry, it's just easier to trade them in my opinion. So, um, maybe that's like kind of that bias leaking in here, but I think sermon is a good prospect. Um, third rounder. I believe they traded up for him, which is always they a did, good yeah. sign um, yep. that they had this conviction that they wanted him. It wasn't like, Oh, okay, well we got him here and we could take him. Like we yeah. want to go get this guy. I think Let's Shanahan go. even said that to him, right? Like we had to go get you like when they were on the phone call. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. love to see that for sure. Absolutely. And uh, Shanahan, you know, he's, he loves to run the ball. He wants to run the yeah. ball. He, he, it's almost like he think it's like this devious, like he, he wants to make it a point. Like I can run the ball on you. Like I can run, I can run at will Yeah, try and stop me. You know what I mean? And so like, he's almost got like that sort of mentality, I think. Um, and we've seen that show up, you know, time and time again. And so I think there's a, there's certainly a chance he could end up and I comped him to Todd Gurley stylistically because he can catch passes. He's kind of a gliding type guy. He's taller. Um, I don't know if he's as talented as Gurley or as explosive. I don't, he's not. He's certainly not as explosive as Gurley was in his prime. Um, but I think he's got short area bursts and good tackle breaking abilities. He's smooth and he can like, you know, he can cut downhill and, and pick up chunk yards. Uh, but again, it's like a, with 49ers, you always just worry it's going to be a committee. They're going to ride the hot hand. Um, Sermon was not an elite producer in college. You know, he he was a big time prospect, I believe, but like he bounced around. He, he started out at Oklahoma, um, ended up in a timeshare there 
ended up transferring, went to Ohio State, took him a while to get going there. So it's like he wasn't like this elite, elite prospect. So it does have like this nagging worry in my mind. Um, and he wasn't generally speaking uh, considered like a top talent, I think, coming into this draft. He was like, I think over a hundred in a consensus big board by Arif Hassan. Um, I can't remember exactly where he was, but I was, I was higher on him than consensus. And even I'm like, you know, maybe he's not like an elite, elite talent. So we'll see, but it's a great landing spot in terms of their scheme. There is question marks on how heavily he'll be used in year one. And it's one of those things where it could end up being like a forever timeshare. And I'm a little bit worried about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, could be gross, but we have seen workhorses emerge from Shanahan. I know the recent history hasn't been pretty with that. And the 49ers have been, to, to kind of reinforce your point, that Shanahan loves to just enforce his will in the run game, like, <laughs> deviantly. Yeah. I, I love it. But, he, you know, third and first in overall team backfield points, even though we haven't had, like, a true stud emerge these last couple of years, the 49ers have been running that ball down people's throats and fancy production has been there. It just hasn't been very predictable right. who it's going to be. So if he does emerge as that guy, uh, you know, maybe he does finally become the next Arian Foster for Shanahan or Clint Portis or these guys that had monstrous seasons in that the zone dream. blocking team. Yeah, that's the dream. And even if not, you had guys like Alfred Morris and Steve Slayton. I mean, dating back to Mike Shanahan, like Mike Anderson and, and nobody. So the scheme yeah. could be wonderful if he can take or like truly astronomical ceiling. But there is that risk of the committees that we've been seeing so much of. Michael Carter does go to a similar scheme, too. As we talk about, they're going to be trying totally. to get that 49ers yeah. scheme in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, that we've already seen some ridiculous one-handed grabs going all over the Twitter universe uh, <laughs> right now. And Thor, when he came on, said this is the best pass-catching guy. Everyone thinks it's ETN. This is the one that is the top pass-catching back in this uh, offense. And he's already running with the ones. So, I mean, I originally did have Sermon higher. But it, yeah. I never want to overreact to OTAs in short season. But it does seem like there's a lot of buzz building for Carter. Uh, do you are you seeing yourself potentially shifting those rankings ever, or are you firm with Sermon there? That's tough. It's very tough. I think so. Going back to the very beginning, what we talked about, like draft capital is important. Generally yeah. speaking, like when you're a day three pick, it's so easy to replace you that it makes me worried about Carter's long time stand, long term standing as the starter like if he's the guy this year it would not surprise me and if he actually ends up being one of the more productive rookie backs like that's not too surprising either yeah. the only question i have is like is he talented enough to be like the guy for them long term you know what i mean and so i think that there's certainly a world in which he could be and i actually i think i had him higher ranked than, than sermon in my nfl draft guide rankings so it's there's a little like cognitive dissonance there i don't yeah. i don't exactly know how to do this but like honestly it's I'm just going with the draft capital. Like, honestly, it's like he fell to day three for a reason. Um, generally speaking, day three running backs are not going to hit at a high rate. And but however, he did fall into a great situation and he's already running with the ones. He's already like distinguishing himself. And so that's always a good thing. We'll see what happens when people start hitting and, you know, they have to have their offensive line actually blocking and things like that. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's the type of guy who could factor in the passing game and on the ground. I loved his vision. I think that the thing that really stood out to me was, I don't know if you call it vision or what, but like his ability to like draft off an offensive lineman and kind of like pick his lanes um, and, you know, just know exactly when to stick his foot in the ground and get downhill uh, versus bounce it outside or whatever. Like he had that good, he had good instincts, I guess you'd call it um, for making guys miss and, and picking up extra yards. So I really like Carter. Um, I just worry about number one, the draft capital, number two, his size. Um, and I guess those are the two question marks for him long-term as like a dynasty asset. 
is right. is he going to be the guy for them long term? That's the only question. But I think he has. I think he's talented, and I think the situation's great. Absolutely, he did. He did mention too in his post game uh, post draft presser that he's been playing in a zone blocking scheme since high school through college, and so that's kind of where those instincts like th- that's perfect for what he's going to mm-hmm. be entering as well. That they've truly been developed, and the team did say it. we were shocked he was there on day three and had to scoop him up as fast yeah. as we can. So maybe they had I him said the right things than yeah. the draft capital. So we're, we're, all the buzz is right. Yeah, we'll yeah. see if it lines up. Uh, but I know we're we're up against it here, and I want to make sure I get to run you through the fantasy no huddle. Um, is there one last player that you want to make sure to shout out before we get into that no huddle offense? Let's see here. I'm just looking at my rankings. Um, trying to find a guy that maybe people aren't talking about a ton. I don't know. Like we we hit all the big names. I want to, who's Danny Kelly's like underrated guy that people might not be talking about that, that you're really in on. You mentioned Tutu at the top, uh, whoever. I'll go against the consensus. Like why are we so, I, I guess the question is, is the weight that big of a deal with Tutu right. Atwell? You know, um, I brought up Marquise Brown earlier, and obviously he's been a bit of a disappointment, or I'd say he's been a disappointment in the NFL based on like the hype and where people were taking him. Um, I don't know if the the jury's out necessarily on him yet. I think, like I said, I think he's actually going to be a good value this year because people are so down on him, and and he's kind of disappointed the first two seasons. Um, but I think he's, I think that Tutu Atwell is pretty similar to Marquise mm-hmm. Brown as a prospect. obviously the size thing was a massive concern, but he was explosive. Um, he produced like he did, had good production in college. He broke out early. He was a second round pick. He goes to a team with a very good offense and a very good quarterback and all, all, and he's still going in the late fourth. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that really adds up. And so, you know, obviously all the caveats about his size are important and you have to be, you have to understand that, he has to be an outlier, I guess, to to hit. But um, in the third round, or especially in the fourth round, like, dude, I'm taking that risk over some of these other guys for sure. Um, so I've got him ranked higher than, you know, maybe a lot of people would have him ranked. I think, um, you know, I, I might not be the highest on him, but I'm, de- I'm de- certainly not the lowest on him. I'd say that I, I'm more optimistic about what he could do um, based on what I think this Rams offense is going to be. Uh, going forward with Matt Stafford instead of Jared Goff. Like, I think the sky is the limit for this offense. I think that they're going to rotate all these guys in. It seems like they really love Van Jefferson. They really love Tutu Atwell. Even Jacob Harris has been really impressing at, at training camp. Um, and I think so, yeah, I, I, I'm just a little bit higher on Tutu Atwell. I think he has the potential to surprise people. I'm not saying he's going to be an elite like wide receiver one, but um, the fact that he's going like in the fourth round of rookie drafts was like kind of surprising considering he was a second round pick. So we'll see. I'm with you there, and I'm I'm fully on board with the Stafford blowing up the Rams narrative. I think that's totally going to happen, unlock the next level of McVay. Well, <laughs> let's move us on into, as fast as we can get through it, the no-huddle offense, 20 rapid-fire burning questions. You know, what name comes to mind when you hear these, my man? Let's get on in. It's going to be tough. I'm ready. In order, the first three picks in every 2021 draft should be. <sighs> okay, so I, this is my rankings. McCaffrey, Cook, Derrick Henry. And I, that was half PPR. Gotcha. Travis Kelsey should go no later than pick number. Uh, 17, I guess, but that's probably too high. That's probably too low or whatever, however you say it. He probably needs to be going higher, but I've got to rank 17. And that's only because I've got a lot of like, like for instance, like Cam Akers, Joe Mixon, some of these high upside running backs above him. Um, but yeah, at the latest 17, probably earlier. Gotcha. The next Mahomes, Lamar, Josh Allen is. Oh, so I think it's Hurts. 
<laughs> nice. Like if you're talking guys, if you're talking guys with like really wide range uh, outcomes, where you like, there's a reason guys are late round picks. Like there was a reason Lamar Jackson was a late round pick going into 2019. It's because some people doubted his ability to be a starter, and um, I think that same sort of worry is happening with Hertz. Like, is he going to be a good enough passer to hold on to his job? Blah blah blah. But the dude, like, he put up two 300 yard games in his four starts, one of which was half a game or three quarters of a game or whatever. Uh, and then he was like rushing for a hundred plus yards. The dude has like the Konami code. He is like the definition of the Konami code. He's a really good rusher. He's not like a Lamar Jackson rusher or a, a Kyler Murray rusher in terms of like RC car speed, speed and like make guys miss, but he's very good rusher. <laughs> Honestly, he's like, he's like a running back. Um, yeah. So he's built like one and he has that sort of vision and, and the ability to like know when to like, it's crazy. I don't know. It's crazy to me because like you see a guy step up in the pocket and then like hesitate and just get tackled for like a one yard gain. He steps in the pocket, goes and picks up 12 yards. Yeah. So I don't know. I just think he has the potential in fantasy to like be that later round. I don't know if he's not, he's not a later round guy, but um, certainly not in the top tier right now. Who's the veteran who gained the most value this off season? So what is what do you mean by veteran? Because I was going to say Cam Akers. Does that count? That counts. Non, yeah, just not non rookie. Yeah, yeah. Or are we defining it like the NFL defines it, like three vested seasons or whatever? No, no, no. Cam Akers, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> okay, Cam Akers. I would say because uh, it looks like he has like Todd Gurley upside going into twenty twenty one. So yeah, the next Todd Gurley. I like it. Veteran who lost the most off uh, value this off season. James Robinson. Yeah. And same, t same like thing. Obviously he's young, but um, he goes from being the guy we're getting like 95% of like the volume there. And now he has to deal with Travis Etienne. It was a first round pick. He's probably going to be an early down banger. He's not like lost all his value, but certainly not a guy you're taking early. The rookie one Oh one should be, I think you said Trevor Lawrence or Jamar chase, right? So we can uh, yep. pa pass on that one into the biggest <clears throat> flop. I guess we haven't really truly hit. We covered a lot of guys. Who do you think flops the biggest out of this class? Flop. Shoot. This is tough. Um, and what do you mean by flop? Like you, you're saying like doesn't live up to expectations yeah. or a straight up a bust? No, it doesn't live up <laughs> to the big expectations people might have of him. I guess I'll say Waddle, even though I am pretty high on him. I just think that, you know, his he's, he's got so much hype. He was the sixth overall pick. Mm -hmm. um, but I do worry a little bit about his size and, and his – just lack of history of producing big time numbers. I think I don't think he's going to be a bust, but people might be a little bit bummed out about what he did as a rookie. And hopefully, I hopefully I can eat those words because I do have a, a, quite a few shares of him already. So, yeah. Well, who's the free agent you think crushes in his new home? Uh, shoot, give me a few names, will you? Like um, Corey Mike Davis. Davis is a popular answer. Ooh, Mike uh, Davis. That's a great one. Um, he has he has like a direct line to being like the bell cow there. So yeah, I think that's an easy one. Yeah, a lot of people have been going with that one. Who do you think's the the early rounder that busts the hardest? So this is like, this is along the same lines of Waddle. So it's like relative. I could see people really, really buying into the Jonathan Taylor hype train and then being a little bit bummed out because, and, and not because I think he's not talented. I think he's maybe like the one of the talented, most talented runners in the NFL. But I think you you get stuck with like the Nick Chubb problem, where he's not going to be heavily involved in the passing game. The team wants to use a rotation. And the other thing that I'm a little bit worried about is like, what's Carson Wentz going to look like? So I think there's a chance that 
the Jonathan Taylor hype gets a little too out of the line or too, too over. Like people are like taking him first or second or whatever in drafts. And like, he ends up being like the RB eight. That's not like a bust, but you know what I mean? Yep. He's been, a, he's been an answer on here plenty of times so far. Who do you think ascends from the mid rounds to early rounds next year? Ooh, that's a good question. Let me, let me pull up. Let me pull up my ranks here. So ascends from the, from the middle rounds. I mean, does Jamar Chase count? <laughs> Cause I think yeah, I absolutely. put him on that. Absolutely. Um, Jamar Chase would be one. I think Jerry Judy has a chance to make a big jump. I don't know if you'd consider. Yeah, I guess he's a mid rounder. And then is CD lamb is certainly not a mid rounder. But I could see him be like a top 10 pick next year. You know what I mean? Instead of being a third round pick or a second round pick. Um, so those would be the names. So just second year guys taking big jumps. Love it. Who's the mo- What's the most important training camp story or battle to monitor in your mind? Uh, Jameis Winston versus Taysom Hill. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> I think that right now it feels like the consensus is that Jameis Winston's the guy. <clears throat> At least from the beat reporters. But I, I really do think that Taysom Hill has a pretty good chance. Like I just really, I don't know. Like number one, maybe that maybe this is the wrong answering the wrong question because I think that Jameis could start the season as a starter, but I don't know how long he'll hold on to that job if that makes any sense. But mm-hmm. I think that that quarterback competition is huge, and and it could have really high like huge fantasy implications. Like obviously with uh, with Alvin Kamara, but even for quarterback, like if T- Taysom Hill is the starter there, like he has like top ten potential, <laughs> which is crazy. Absolutely. So does Jameis, but or they could be on the bench. It's one of those things that are you know it's like massive wide range of outcomes absolutely and we'll wrap up the no huddle here with your boldest 2021 fantasy football prediction shoot i didn't think about this beforehand um oh here's i guess this isn't super bold this isn't super bold but what about darren waller tight end one that's bold over travis kelsey i mean given how huge he's been (laughs) the last few years i like that so he's a tight end two or three so it's not really that bold that's a big jump though that would be the difference between like a late second round being good to like first round like next year type of thing that's bold the other thing i would the other one i want to throw out here that i'm like i'm higher on clyde edwards than i think a lot like the consensus would be so like maybe he's like the next first round pick in 2022 type deal after what we see this year I'm with you too. I'm way higher on him as well. Well, Danny, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Why don't we wrap up with you reminding uh, people to where, where they can find your work uh, and how they can connect with you. Yeah. So Danny B. Kelly on Twitter, uh, co-hosts the ringer fantasy football show. I appear periodically on the NFL show. And then uh, we're, we're going to be putting out a, the ringer fantasy football draft guide here. in I think July, unsure exactly when that's dropping, but keep an eye on, keep an eye on for that. And then, uh, my rookie dynasty ranks are up at the site right now. So you can go check those out. Awesome. Danny. Well, thank you so much for your time, your insight, all the answers. Absolute pleasure as always talking to you. Thanks again, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you later. Thank you. And Wolfpack, I am now down to answer all the questions you got for us. Uh, So let's check this out. See what you guys got. Forrest Law has a bunch of questions for us. So Forrest, I'm excited to see what you got for us here. Wolf, what's going on, DiLorenzo? I uh, would love to hear your opinion on Jalen Hurts' outlook also. So, yeah, we just heard Danny talk about, you know, the elite rushing upside, the underrated arm. I am I love the prospect potential. I mean, sure, he could bust. There's certainly risk here. He was only a second-round pick for a reason. But I love what he did in college. I think he's got that baller mentality. We saw how many fantasy points he can rack up in a hurry last year and now gets his guy, Devonta Smith, added. I don't see any reason why he's not continuing to play like he did last year with just better weapons now around him. 
I like Jalen Hurts a lot. I think I have him right at QB seven, eight. It's tricky for me. Like in Dynasty, of course, he's over a guy like Tom Brady. Uh, I, you know, that's he's in that tier with me, though. Uh, the guy that led the league in passing touchdowns and yards last year. I think Jalen Hurts belongs right in that tier uh, as well. So I love Jalen Hurts long term uh, and especially short term. Long term, a little bit shakier because he could bust. But in 2021, I'm very high on getting this guy, and I think he's a great value. Uh, if you're not going to go for the elite, like if Dak or Lamar falls to around four or five, then if you're in that mid-round range and Hebert's not there, uh, th- then you got to go with Jalen Hurts. I think there's elite upside there, uh, DiLorenzo. Forrest Law, my man, as I said, has a ton of comments in here, so let's get them all. DJ Moore over both, Terrence Marshall and Diami Brown. Uh, I mean, yeah, what a, what an explosive pass-catching core we got there with Marshall Moore and Robbie Anderson. You gotta, if Donald's ever going to get it done, it's going to be a year like this. I'm trying to think of who you were, you're saying DJ Moore over uh, in this one, but I think his upside still is untapped. We haven't seen the touchdown production that I know he's capable of. We've seen a ton of yardage and, and you know, the, the most consistent stats that I think will carry over if, and when we get that season of 10, 12 touchdowns, uh, maybe he moves more into that role that Curtis Samuel had last year of a lot of manufactured touches with Samuel now gone. I think there's a lot of upside, a lot of underrated upside here with DJ Moore, uh, but there are people that love him. So like in every draft, you have to be that guy that loves him to make sure you go get him. And I don't know if that's going to be me this year. There's just some receivers that go around him that I prefer personally. Um, and I'd rather, if I'm going to get into that offense, I like the value you get on Robbie Anderson, who I think produces very similarly at last year, outproduced DJ Moore. Um, I'll take that like four or five round discount to get a piece of that Panthers offense with the guy that has the Darnold uh, rapport. But of course the guy's got insane talent. I am worried that we haven't seen it fully all come together, but I wouldn't be shocked if, that season is this year with Curtis Samuel now gone. Uh, what's going on? Forest Law with Matt Ryan at QB for sure. He got the, uh, yeah, I mean, Kyle Pitts could go crazy. Ribeyes, don't know what that means, but uh, yeah. Alex Pitts or bust. It's it's so, do you know, like as Danny was highlighting on the show, what a great show, by the way. I love Danny Kelly again. Um, how could you say, though, like it has to be Pitts if you had a wide receiver need how do you not go chase or bust, right? If you have a running back need, Harris or bust. Now, I guess running back's the riskiest of them, right? Is he truly elite? Is that offensive line going to be a big hindrance? But no, I don't think so myself. Stafford overrated all his weapons except Akers. They aren't the deep threats. Plus, he never had a run game or defense. I don't know if I agree with this one, Forrest. I think Stafford's a beast. I think what he did in Detroit with, you know, once Calvin Johnson was gone at least, a pretty slim weapons cabinet. This guy was chucking routinely. You give him by far the best weapons cabinet at this point, I think, with Cooper Cup, with uh, obviously Robert Woods, one of my favorite players. But I wouldn't say these guys don't have speed when you have Tutu and Deshaun Jackson added this offseason. I mean, those guys can absolutely blaze down the field. Three games you're going to get out of Deshaun Jackson this year. But Tutu sells, sells right in if and when Deshaun Jackson goes down. I think they very much built a couple vertical components to let Cup and Robert Woods go crazy. And it's not like Stafford just only needs to uncork it. He's accurate underneath. Like he can let these guys go and do their work uh, for sure. Hate standard scoring. I, I'm with you there too. Why do running QBs like him uh, compete with a rod and fantasy? That makes uh, no sense. Point per completion. Uh, will fix that trash. So I, I get what you're saying, right? To balance out. If we're, if you're a purist, like football should reward how valuable they are on the field, how good they are at their position. Yeah, I can see that, right? Like a, a point per completion, balancing things out a little bit more. But I also get the, the argument of, 
these guys are bringing a whole different level to the offense now, a whole different thing you have to defend. Uh, so I see that as well. Plenty of first downs with their legs, plenty of rushing touchdowns. So I don't know that I, I think they have to be uh, penalized for being good with their legs, right? I get what you're saying, um, and I, I see that point. I can see, you know, maybe a quarter point per uh, completion helping to fix that stuff. I think Tua will give Waddle uh, the choice targets. Harris is my flop. Um, I, maybe, you know, so D- Danny saying the flop might be Waddle there. Uh, I'm more, I can see the choice targets, but what? who says Will Fuller doesn't get those targets? And he's only on a one-year deal, right? Uh, but between the, the quarterback, he's certainly better than I think he gets credit for to uh, all this hype about the interceptions, all that crap. I, I'm, I'm done with that. Um, I think Tua is going to definitely have a much better sophomore season. I think he can definitely sustain two guys. But I am worried about what Danny mentioned, the the injuries, the fact that despite having this elite Tyreek Hill package, he's never seemed to fully ascend the depth chart or put it all together and have that, that monster season. Uh, <laughs> Nick Chubb is an absolute savage too. He's the type of guy that like your fantasy locker room just – needs a character guy the the hard nose running person I, i'm absolutely with it Taysom hill sucks and hurts uh i don't know about that it hurts i, I taste hill does suck as an nfl quarterback but fancy wise he was what the number three quarterback for his three starts i'm i'm with it and brian edwards was looking absolutely monstrous yes uh forest law i did see that for sure thank you anthony Durant. i appreciate you tuning in good stuff all around in terms of uh Nut free by G. I had some cookies this week. Fantastic, as always. So appreciate that uh, for sure. Well, Wolfpack, thank you guys so much. As always, we'd love to stay around for the mailbag. So if you get those questions in throughout the show, I will always answer everything you bring after our guests sign off. Uh, but thanks again to Danny Kelly of The Ringer. Uh, thanks, everybody, that tuned in either live or catching the replay here. We so greatly appreciate it. And if you aren't already subscribed, whether you prefer YouTube, Facebook, uh, follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Wolf. Wherever your preferred outlet is, we will be there for you to answer your questions, to keep bringing this fire content all summer. I'm about to be on summer break, so that's when the things really turn up uh, and the content just flies. And we have some great guests lined up for July as we've been churning. If you missed some of our shows, make sure you tune in. And all these are available also as podcasts. If you prefer listening or you got a busy day and you just want to put the headphones on or a commute, uh, you can find us on iTunes everywhere you listen. Uh, we will be there for you as well. So thanks again, Wolfpack. Uh, you can find all our content also at rotorstreetjournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves and podcast-specific ffbbpod.com as where all our content can be found. Uh, much appreciated again for you guys being here and interacting. Anything you need in the comments, get it in there and we will get to it for sure. In a world full of fantasy sheep, Wolfpack, be the wolf. I'm out. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second down, third down, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.